really got to try on that left-hand side. What happened? <laughs> oh, but I've gone up and over, and Marty had over biscuit. It was a, uh, it was, a, it wasn't enough stability there for myself. But um, no, I was busting for a bit of meat this game. It didn't seem to work out. Hello, cheers, and welcome, welcome once again to the Scrum of the Earth podcast, the weekly show that brings you news, reviews, great interviews, and so much more all about the world of rugby union. I am your host, David Lawrence. I'm an American rugby fan who follows the game wherever I can find it all over the globe. If you'd like to get in touch, I'd love to hear from you. I'm on Twitter at of Scrum. I'm on Instagram at the Scrum of the Earth podcast. And you can always just drop me an email at Scrum of the Earth at gmail.com. So as you've undoubtedly realized, this is not, in fact, our weekly installment, but is, in fact, yet another bonus episode. This time, I'm sitting down once again with two of my favorite people in the rugby universe. They are, of course, John and Craig from the Scottish Rugby Podcast. Guys, welcome back. And how are you? It's good to be here. Thanks for having us. You notice I didn't talk over Craig there. We've we're, we've been like practicing this. Yeah, we're we're all good. Uh, <laughs> been working on our synchronized speeching. Uh, no, all good. Glad to be back, mate. <laughs> so, in what's become a, a bit of a minor tradition, I have found a, a couple of small verses to honor this occasion of your visits. Uh, and Craig, I'm sure it's nothing new to you to hear the opening stanza of Burns' address to Edinburgh, which reads, Adina, Scotia's darling seat, all hail thy palaces and towers, where once beneath a monarch's feet sat legis- legislation's sovereign powers. From marking wildly scatters, scattered flowers on the banks of air I strayed, and singing lone the lingering hours, I shelter in thy honored shade. So are your seats at the damn health in the honored shade, or are you more in the honored direct sunlight? <laughs> <laughs> well uh luckily we're in the the lothian stand which is the south stand so we uh, at night time we get a little bit of a sunset in the romantic area of kerstorfen and then we get to what slowly appreciate the breeze coming in from the west and the howls of <laughs> the howls of wilson out gets heard <laughs> as they as it filters through the damn hell from the glasgow side of the country <laughs> <laughs> I was going to suggest that the the shadows uh, on that night sky, those shadows that the pillars, you know, of the stadium cause, Craig, you know, all those the 150. Uh, I mean, there is nothing quite like a gazebo in a nice warm night with, uh, with the sunset. We barbecue, so. absolutely. We I'm barbecue, just embracing it, yeah, yeah. I'm embracing exactly. it, John. <laughs> you got to, mate. You got to. It's it. With your discount, because you, you've done the beer tent and the stadium in the same fabric. <laughs> I mean, just saying, if, they, if there was a match in a beer tent, I would be there. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That's, that's like the next, that's next level rugby indoors <laughs> in a beer tent. Because you can't, you can't, you can't kick a ball, could you? So it'd have to be running rugby, but brilliant. You could, you could have a damn good try. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, I, yeah, well, I, you could, I suppose. <laughs> Uh, it's it's actually funny if you go you know if you're out in boston and you go to a, a bar and get a beer it's going to be eight bucks nine bucks something like that go to the free jacks that beer is five bucks <laughs> well i guess yeah, we're going to the free jacks yeah yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> so john of course you're not going to get away easy i've got a, a little slice for you as well by a poet named lana blodgett it, it reads down to the lights at Glasgow Harbour, where the great ships sailed the mighty seas, where stood the tall ship Glen Lee, waiting to leave in the morn, to venture across the great Atlantic, 
taking them to the teeming shores of America to breathe the air of chosen promises where the sun rises on its golden shore. So obviously what I'm getting at is, are you coming to the golden shore of Massachusetts to join me for the inaugural Free Jacks home playoff game in a couple of weeks? <laughs> not, not sure my work will, uh, will enable me to come over in a couple of weeks' time, but uh, certainly there will <laughs> Just be. Just walk into the office nope. and say, Free Jacks. They'll be like, we understand. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we clearly understand, John, and you know what, it is time. Uh, no, I think that'll be a next season plan. I think we'll uh, we'll, we'll make uh, we'll get something sorted and we'll. Get oh, that's a great idea! I just just got my uh, tickets for next year. Just just renewed yesterday. In fact, that was pretty great. I mean, basically, I could at this rate, I could fly to Massachusetts, stay for probably about a month, and get a season ticket for the the Free Jacks. Uh, and and probably dine out every single night eating fillet steak, and it would still not be at the cost of a Glasgow season ticket. <laughs> I actually think you're probably right, especially when you you know factor in the the beer factor. You know, all you have to do is make sure you have like five, and they you've paid for your ticket. Exactly, exactly. So, um... <laughs> so I've decided that uh, adding these little verses to honor my guests is like my version of the Capo Opongo. You just got to reserve it for those special occasions, you know. <laughs> But I'm not going to do the, the throat slit thing. I feel like that would be unfriendly. <laughs> so, Craig and John, I'm just tickled to have both of you back. I'm hoping we can do a little bit of a look back on this season that's now uh, the, sort of rounding up, do a bit of a post-mortem on the first season of the newly rebranded URC. How does that sound to you guys? Sounds like, I mean, it sounds dreadful, but also <laughs> like, a good, like a good plan. Yeah, it's a, it's a sensible idea. <laughs> from, from the Edinburgh side to bring it on <laughs> you know it's, it's funny because just now I described the URC as recently rebranded but the fact is it's only after more than eight months that we're just about to get what they're calling to the what they're calling the final eight it's been a long time it's been since October it seems bizarre um, I guess my first question is for either of you you know would you call this inaugural season a success there were certainly some pretty crappy developments, you know, especially with the timing of Omicron, that whole fiasco, the inept handling of that at the time. But at least from where I am, it seems like the ship kind of righted itself after that for the most part. Would you agree? You know, uh, well, let's start with Craig. What was your assessment of URC season one? Um, I think it's, it's, it's given the it's given the whole Pro 14 URC, whatever you want to call it, a real shot in the arm. Um, I think it's modernized it. Um, I think we've uh, we're, we're opening up a few more, a few more eyes, and people are coming to watch it. And I think the South African teams have been a, a success, a successful addition. Um, but you know, I, I'm I'm happy with how it's going. But then you know, um, Edinburgh, you have usually been at the bottom of the UR of the Pro 14, and we're not at the moment. So we're, I think it's been a, I'm, I'm, I'm maybe, what's the word? Uh, I'm a little bit riding on a cloud at the moment. Oh, okay. That, uh, much more positive than I thought, actually. Uh, John, same question. Thumbs up or thumbs down on the inaugural season of the URC, or as the URC, I guess. I think I think it's difficult to judge it on its first season, um, but certainly there, there's been there has been challenges, and I think the convoluted format with trying to work out who, where, why, when, and how we're getting to the final eight and you know who gets champions cup who doesn't get champions cup who who gets this who gets that when ultimately leinster are going to win it is uh, you know it for casual fans it has been challenging mm. and certainly that's been reflected some of the forums i'm on there's been a bit of frustration with it and people people are about 
annoyed at the idea, you know, it, it costs a lot of money to go and follow your team. Mm. And there's people who put a lot of store into following their team wherever they, they can. And the challenge with South Africa is it, it's just so much more expensive than the traditional trips. But I mean, ultimately, I think the product itself has been decent. I think um, the scheduling needs to be worked out. And I think there's there's a couple of other kind of govern governancey things, particularly moving into a World Cup season, that probably need to be worked out for next year. But um, overall, six out of ten, you know, not 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 a not not a terrible situation. And I do love that the South African teams are part of it, and uh, I really really enjoy watching them. Obviously, all four of those South African teams are better than the. Uh, it was what was it before the Cheetahs and the the Kings? That's right, the Southern Kings. Cheetahs, Cheetahs, mm. Cheetahs and the Southern Kings. Yeah, yeah. So I think that, that's been nice too. Um, one of my highlights was actually seeing Zebra get a win. I, I was, I, I just hate seeing a team go completely winless, and uh, I was glad they got it at the time they did against that team too. It just seemed somehow fitting. Um, you know, as I alluded to already, that so the handling of the Omicron thing that became an albatross that sort of hung around the neck of the competition the whole way. But can you think of any other sort of major mistakes or bungles as an organization or as a league that the URC did that they'll need to, you know, clean up to make it more compelling next year? I think uh, I touched on the scheduling stuff. And I think there was certainly because of the Omicron situation and because of a, a few games being cancelled, you know, one of the big promises with the URC was that, we're not going to have games in the international window. Yep. And I mean, I know it was fairly unique circumstances, but if that's one of your flagship promises, then you need to deliver that. And yeah. they failed at the first hurdle. And, you know, scheduling. So Glasgow and Edinburgh, scheduling when that got scheduled. And, you know, there was it was just, it was strange. And that was a screw was, job. Especially for a match. Uh, well, uh, yeah, well, you know, coming against some of the teams we come against when when the Six Nations were on, yes, uh, I, I, yes, we'll call, call it what it was. <laughs> Craig, you agree, or anything else you saw yeah. that they kind of bungled this year? Yeah, scheduling was was in there, and also um, I think John and I have talked about this before, but the level of um, refereeing um, oh. needs yeah. needs needs a, a fair bit of. Um, uh, a fair bit of work, whether they because they seem to be in a situation where they don't have um, uh, parity across all the referees that are taking part. So that you know, mm. you okay, fair enough. I'm always I, I, I one of the things I always see on 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 our pod is as you play the referee when you know you play the whistle. But the problem you have is that when these guys are training to a certain to, to the level that they're training, it's okay for. Uh, up to super six levels it's in Scotland, you play the referee. But when you're when you're doing a professional job, you're trying to train to that nth degree, um, and it means money as well. If you don't win this game or whatever, um, and if you know the amount of times we've come away from games, we've watched games, and we've we've been very disappointed in the in the level of refereeing. Mm. Um, so you know, not that we've never really been ones for pulling the referees to pieces. Um, it's never been that way, but uh, but well, John may be a little bit, but uh, no, <laughs> um, not, but, not, uh, not always. We've, we've always we've always been happy to say, like, well, the referee's a referee, and it doesn't change. But on the other side of things, that the, the, their level of refereeing and, and and their level of accountability seems to be fairly low at this moment in time, and we'd quite like to see that just brought up a little bit. 
Well, I've, I've, I've been strongly advocating here for more of the cross-pollinization, too, of bringing in refs from the Southern Hemisphere. Like, um, as somebody who watches Super Rugby, you know, a high tackle in England is not a high tackle in Dunedin right now. It's just not. No. like they, they, And I think that's going to be a problem come the next World Cup. Um, but I, I feel like just cross-pollinating those refs, getting the players used to different types of refereeing, I think that would help everybody, including the referees themselves. Do you, do you think that's possible or...? It certainly would be possible. I think, I th and I think it would actually address one of the other issues that we have just now, which, and no one's suggesting that referees are biased or don't uh, don't play fair, but it's just it's not a great look when you're coming up against, let's call it what it is. You're coming up against an Irish team, and you've got Irish officials. So we've had that happen this year again when you're coming up against a multi multiple different teams and you've got the assistant referees and TMO are from that country. I'm not saying there would be at all an issue, but it's just not a great look and it puts the puts the league in a really bad position when something does go wrong. Like, yeah. yep. you know, both Glasgow and Edinburgh have come up against situations this season where decisions have went against them and decisions that have widely been said to be incorrect mm. and it's been home TMOs or home assistant referees who've drawn those conclusions and people make mistakes and that's fine and I, I, I'm all for you know make mistakes learn from it it's how we how we develop into better rugby players better referees etc but the governing body need to be doing more to protect people from that because all that does is stokes fires and says yeah, yeah. you know creates creates accusations that shouldn't necessarily be there i feel like they've tried to avoid that and i think once again i think covid probably impacted that at least yeah. earlier in the season um i don't think they have that same excuse late so much but maybe that's something that they uh, you know that they can clean up and make better for next year mm, yeah so this is a league with 18 total rounds, when I started looking through all these numbers, I, I decided it was convenient to look at the season in thirds and look at the standings for your two teams in particular after weeks 6, 12, and then 18 to sort of uh, inform my assessment of the, the state of the competition. So, Craig, you'll probably recall your team had some sneaky success early on. And to me, you guys kind of just hung on you know, the rest of the way after that. So after round six, um, Glasgow were dead level at three and three, while Edinburgh were slightly ahead of that at four, one and one. I'm sure you still must be kicking yourself over that draw. But the next six fixtures, however, those appeared pivotal with Glasgow winning, not kidding, all six in a row for their longest winning streak of the year. John, do you recall how you were feeling during that time? At the, at the end of week 12, you guys were nine and three after uh, being three and three. You must have felt like all signs were pointing to success at that point, right? Uh so I remember exactly how I was feeling because I think I mentioned it on this this very podcast at the time that um, I think that we had a good run. We did have a good run of wins. And I think ultimately it was in spite of ourselves mm. that we made that we were winning those games. Uh, there was a couple of very close games in there. We actually Definitely. came up with a run of fixtures where we came up against teams that we should be if Glasgow Rugby are serious about being a you know a top four team, that we came up against teams that we should have been putting away quite easily, mm -hmm. um, and we made hard work of it. And I remember saying to you that actually don't don't let this kid you, because I think Glasgow were quite top near the top at the time. Mm -hmm. And I was like, don't let this kid you. We've actually 
we've had a run where it's papering over a lot of the cracks that exist mm. and and the second yeah we'd we'd kind of seen that at the start of the season we had a wee run of form but ultimately we weren't putting teams away as well as you know you could see the lack of game plan you could see the lack of coherence a couple of individual bits of brilliance get people out of jail ultimately that's not going to be sustainable over a season and uh but yeah i i the only i remember after the exeter game being very excited that glasgow had beat exeter but that was from a i'm really delighted we beat exeter exeter perspective (laughs) i wasn't necessarily (laughs) impressed with what we were putting out Mm. on the, the park so i was very very much in a like cynical mode at that okay. time, and I think sadly proven. Yeah, it's not it's, often. It, I, I mean, it, it I love being sounds right, like you were right. It kind of yeah, sounds like you were right, right to be worried about that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have much experience with it. I, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> so by the end of that same week, Craig uh, Edinburgh, you guys were at six one and five. Just looked like the walking de- uh, definition of mediocre at that point. Do you recall, you know, how you were feeling about your own team at the time? Yeah, it's it's weird because obviously, you know, we had a new coach came in to bring in a new style of rugby um, and the first few games we, we kind of raised our eyebrows and went, well, okay, we, you know, we're doing well here. This is, you know, they may not be teams that John um, would think were, you know, strong teams, um, but we we were, we were, we were quietly happy. Um, well, okay, I was noisily happy, um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I find that's the best um, way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, but obviously, we had a, a couple of games against um, uh, against South African teams that weren't full of their Springboks because the Springboks yep. were still playing at that time. Um, and also, um, but then we did silly things like we lost in the in the last minute to um, uh, to Benetton. Yep. Um, away, um, which uh, both both ourselves and Glasgow suffered to, um, and then you know we came home and, and 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 okay, fair enough. We went up against Leinster and got got a good um, a good deal of points put against us. But um, you know we were quite, I think as Edinburgh fans were a little bit less critical because it was Mike Blair's first year and. We were quite impressed with the signings that he'd made. The signings that he'd made were were doing a good job, so we were excited by the rugby. So the 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 shoot the green shoots of progress for the team seemed to give us more hope. So we were were let were were more forgiving um, for the losses that we, and also that draw against the Stormers, which I think was a was a real missed opportunity. Yeah, um, you know we were we were a little bit more forgiving. So am I hearing this right, that both of you are such seasoned rugby fans that while John's team is sitting at nine and three, he's going, I don't know. And while your team is sitting smack dab in the middle, you're like, hey, I see good things. <laughs> that makes you guys real experts, I think, right? Uh, I, I, I think it's less, I think it's less, less about expertise and more about like, obviously me and Craig both watch a lot of our team and have watched a lot of our team for many many years and I think it's it's more about you kind of get a feel for where like quite quickly you can get a feel for how the team's stacking up and how how you and even if the results are not going your way like you can see in Edinburgh's case you can see the progress you can see the game plan 
you can see the confidence in certain players starting to, to really start to dominate fixtures. Um, whereas at the other side of the M8, you can see the same old culprits causing the same old issues, conceding as many penalties as they possibly can, like they're going out of fashion. Um, and do, do you think being there in person makes a big difference in your ability to, you know, accurately assess what you're looking at? I, I no, actually. Uh, I think I think watching it on television afterwards makes a, a huge difference. I think from from the stadium you can quite often. I mean, there's things you can see from the stadium, but often you're not really getting the full picture, and that's why obviously you know. So the the slight difference between soccer and and rugby, obviously in rugby, the coaches tend to sit up in the up in the gods in the stadium with a laptop watching yep. the game on the laptop. Uh, with all the stats and stuff like that, so they're they're not necessarily looking out the box, right, right. watching the field, um, because you just can't you can't see everything, um, even from the best seats. So I often find like I'll go to a game and Craig, I think we've talked about this before as well, that you go to a game, you think you've seen something, and then you watch it back and you get almost a different vibe or a different perspective on things. Sometimes it's better than what you believed. Mm. Uh, that certainly wasn't the case at the weekend. It was just as rubbish as I thought it had been. <laughs> so, um, if if not actually worse, because you, you don't necessarily in split second are able to capture the effort that players are putting in. Whereas on the television, it's it's cold, cold as cold, hard light of day comes in, yeah. and you go, "All right, okay." Mm-hmm. It's so the here in the US, the the immensely successful podcaster Bill Simmons. He, he always talks about, I mean, he's usually talking about basketball, but he's talking about, he always talks about the value of being there in person because of the body language, because of, you know, the camera's yeah. not going to be showing the players who are on the bench, just kind of watching. And he always talks about, you can tell a lot about how a team's feeling about themselves by watching the guys who aren't playing. Um, but maybe that's just not the case in a game like rugby. I think you're maybe just a wee bit closer to the action in basketball, mm. uh, potentially just, and with it being indoors as well, I think, you know, sitting in bt murrayfields um in the gods we you know well in a full bt murrayfield to 67 other thousand 67 000 other people it's it is hard to get an objective view of what's going on but um yeah if you're if you're quite close to court side and um and it's basketball is obviously five five on five so it's a wee bit easier to mm-hmm. kind of watch individual players and watch the bench as well So uh, after after that week twelve that we were talking about, the rest of the season is what I would describe as a little bit weird. So Edinburgh, you guys made a, a cute little run late there in the season. Those last six games, you went four and two, including the eighteen seventy two Cup decider. And then on the other side, I mean, Lewis Reese Zamet, John, your team went one and five to end out the year. Um, if ESPN would actually cover rugby, which they don't, um, I'm sure the word collapse would have been hurled around a lot. Uh, how would you describe <laughs> that, that, that last, those last six games? I mean, uh, collapse does summarize it pretty well. Uh, those last six games, we uh, in the one game that we won, we, we almost decided to collapse as well. But for each of those games, 50 minutes comes and goes and we we absolutely collapsed um you know there's stats out there that look at glasgow's record across the season and ultimately first half glasgow are glasgow win most most first halves they've mm. they, they, they've been up or level 
in almost all the first halves across the season. Uh, but the second half, and particularly the, the last 20 minutes, they are ridiculous. They concede hundreds of points and they don't score points themselves. And it has it cost us games across the piece. It's worth noting as well with the, the, the quirks of the scheduling, back to that wonderful thing, <laughs> we, uh, we we haven't played at Scottsdale in quite quite some time. I think it's almost two months now. Yeah. Um, so Most last, of that one and five was a was, massive road trip for sure. Yeah, we were we were first first of April was the last time we played at Scottsdale. So wow. Um, yeah, I think so, I started calling yeah, you guys the, the Glasgow Road Warriors. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So uh, it's it's frustrating, but you can see the signs coming, and actually, you're never happy when your team lose. But it, it has got to a point where there's a real lack of. Um, <sighs> the lack of expectation there's not that hope anymore mm. it's just kind of we expect things to go wrong and we expect the same characters to make the same mistakes and the same game plan to you know the definition of insanity is to repeat one's actions over and over and expect a different outcome and here we are glasgow uh <laughs> in, in, any chance you know <laughs> that guy einstein maybe had it right you know do you think it's uh, that it's that bad where players uh you know when it's the 60 minute mark hits and they start going okay Who's going to screw this up? How's this going to happen now? Do you, do you think it's that, think, yeah. hanging on them that badly? I think there's a, there's an element of that. I think there's an element of conditioning as well. I think Glasgow mm. are much more poorly conditioned than have been in many, many years. Really? Uh, I, I think, yeah. So a lot of the players are carrying a lot more weight than they were. Um, and that this apparently is part of a deliberate game plan. I mm. mean, I use that term very loosely. Um, <laughs> but the guys were it's believed they are putting on a bit of bulk because Danny Wilson's whole, uh, you know, grand plan is to play Glasgow rugby, but behind a dominant pack. And it's like, yeah, not sure that works, buddy, because you've neither got them playing Glasgow rugby, nor do you have a dominant pack. You have nothing. So basically you've just made players a wee bit fat and we can't, everybody's blowing out, out their backsides by 60 minutes and we get punished for it funny that i don't know if you if either of you are south park fans but it just makes me think like step one get fatter step two <laughs> yeah question, question mark step three profit <laughs> <laughs> danny wilson is in fact that episode yes that is what he's decided glasgow's yeah it's just i think there is a mentality thing i think um, there's a lack of leadership on the park as well, which does impact, you know, it's usually that period just after half time where, you know, Craig will know himself having played the game, like coming back after half time, it does take a wee bit of time to maybe get your head back in. Mm. You can find that, you know, you need your leaders at that point, especially if you concede, you need your leaders to really just kind of drag you back together and Glasgow are lacking that. Um and it's funny, it's been the young guys who've really kind of stepped up to that and been trying to do that. And the the old guard have been, I think it's about time for quite a few of them to go and maybe get put out to the Scotsdale pitch uh, out, out by the farm because uh, some of them are very, very done, uh, I think, professionally. Uh, <clears throat> so, Craig, you actually might. So just a couple of days ago, I talked to a woman named Nicola Garforth, who's the head of the uh, Edinburgh Rugby Fans group and she was great really really nice um 
one of the things she won't do is say anything bad about any players or anything about the team, which I kind of, yeah. which I, I really admire. She's just put a moratorium <laughs> on it completely, yeah. which I'm like, okay, that's dedication. And she didn't really want to get into these kind of numbers, but so I'm kind of recycling this question a bit, but looking at some of the, the things about Edinburgh on paper, they look on attack like a top-notch team. They've got, they had the fourth most clean breaks, the second most meters gained, the most defenders beaten overall. But with all of that, they're just one above the exact middle for tries scored. So my question is, what happens to all those defenders beaten, all those meters gained? What happens to all that attacking opportunity? Why does it always seem to disappear? Yeah, it's, uh, where we're working well is we're working well when we keep the ball. Um, Mike Blair seems to have instilled a little bit more, you know, in the Cockrell era, um, you know, Danny Wilson is maybe following a little bit of the Cockrell sort of mentality of build a massive pack to, 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 um, to batter the door down and the rest will follow. Mm. Um, and where Mike Blair's come in, he's, he's added this nine, 10, 12 sort of axis that is, that is allowing us quick, you know, we've got the big pack who will give us good ball um, and then the ball is moving quickly. Um, and and so where we're winning is we're breaking through the line, through the defensive line. We're taking on, because Blair Kinghorn at 10 is a slightly different 10, he's able to get through the tackle, get through the through the line, get the ball offloaded. And we're, we're making these breaks. Ben Velicott is very, very quick on the... Um, uh, on the uptake, he'll he'll snipe very very quickly through mm-hmm. any gaps that well you know he could probably run them underneath people's legs because he's that tall, um, but he's uh, he's in, he's incredibly quick. Where we where currently what then happens is if if the ball if we're in the clear air that's fantastic and uh, for example Mark Bennett I think against Ulster. You know, we got to that point where we're battering against the brick wall and he, he chipped the ball over because there was nobody else at home and he got the try. That's fantastic. Yep. The problem you have is that if you break the line in hour 22, for example, or in hour half, you then get tackled further down the line. The The defence gets its time, gets its scrambled defence put together. And then we go into, right, we're going to batter the door down and we go through seven or eight phases of forward ball on the line, and what ha- then happens is there's a knock on, mm. um, or there's a or, or someone goes in and 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 jackals the ball, and, and we get a penalty against us, and that's where I think we've been inaccurate, um, and we've gone maybe run home to mama, run run back to the Richard Cockrell age of of we're going to batter the door down now with brute force, and and if we don't, and and, and we seem to have had a few wee issues along that line um and that seems to have been the problem especially when we come up against um the bigger teams and the more the, the stronger teams like Ulster and people like that so the final eight are upon us i'm excited to get your predictions um do you have any thoughts first of all about the games that you don't particularly care about um i would have to take munster over over ulster for an opening match upset um, and I'll take the Bulls at home for no other reason than they're at home. What are your thoughts about those two matchups? I think that's a. I think the logic you give there is pretty pretty sound. I think um, the Irish teams are quite closely matched behind Leinster, uh, yep. so you know it, it could go either way. Um, 
And yeah, I think the South similarly the South African teams the the they they all can beat each other. Like yeah, they, they're all decent sides. So I think uh, yeah, I think you can toss a coin on on those fixtures pretty easily actually. Great. Yeah, I, so I, I think I I, I think um, well I'll, I would have put money on Ulster, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, but they've got a couple of injuries. Mm. Um, so you know it'll be interesting because I think Mike Lowry's not not going to make the the quarterfinal. Um, he may, but I believe he was he, he was injured. So there's there's a couple of injuries there that may change around. Munster are obviously incredibly strong, and they've got all their they've got all their um, players back. Carberry is looking majestic at ten as well. So we'll wait and see how that goes. I, th- I think that could that could be on a on a toss of a coin, to be honest with you. Mm. Um, and then, they, they felt um, like that all year. Ulster and Munster feel like any given day, it's my turn, it's your turn. Yeah, Ulster seems to be the more the more running rugby, though. The, the Ulster seem to be the ones yeah. that, that like to play. Um, and, uh, you know, where Munster tend to, again, knock the door down with a... With a with a with a, with a cheap hammer, shot, you know. With a yeah, cheap yeah, shot from Romani. Well, <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We'll see no more about uh, Mr. Romani. Um, uh, we, it's been well well mentioned on this on on our on your on this podcast, you know. <laughs> yeah, I might have to stop going on about that. Uh, he, he might go cheap shot Stuart Hogg just out of anger. So. Yeah, yeah, but I I, I, do, I am backing the Sharks, however, because um, because I have. Uh, uh, I, I I have friends in the, with the, that are affiliated to the Sharks. So uh, oh, is that right? I'm, I'm back. I'm back in the Sharks. <laughs> Do you actually bet on these games? By the way, do either of you actually wager no. on any of these? Not often. No, Ch- I, tends not, to be with not, rugby. You can't really get. I just I just feel like it's a quick way to lose a lot of money. Uh, with with rugby, you tend not to like. So you tend not to get good odds because rug, rugby is a fairly predictable sport. Like so, if you look at actually, there was analysis done a few years ago that showed that of of like top sports, rugby's one that if you a dominant team tends to win like more than say a dominant team in football. Well, you could you know you could predict they'll win what seventy percent of the time or thereabouts. In rugby, it's higher, so a dominant team will often always win. So the odds quite often reflect that, and it's hard to get good value. It's, it's funny because only in the last few weeks have I sort of had that realization because you know, as you guys know, I'm somebody who always like if there's a matchup that I'm a neutral for, I look, okay, who's the underdog? Okay, now I'm rooting for that person or that, that team. Yeah. I just always want the underdog to win. But it happens so rarely that it's a little frustrating when you get invested in it because it's like, well, maybe this is the day that Zebra, oh, wait, no, it's still Zebra. You know, <laughs> it, it can get frustrating. It's super rugby in particular all year long i'm like well this team's gonna win and then they do and it's it becomes a little frustrating when you're trying to watch um so moving on to the teams that you actually do care about i'll start with you craig so what i'm gonna do here is i'm gonna see if i can inject a little bit of optimism for you if you don't mind so your opponent next week the the stormers they haven't exactly lit the world on fire in terms of points scored they've scored 464 total points this year the team is in positions four five and six in the final eight all of them have scored well past 500 Actually, the team in third place have actually scored less than you guys. So on top of that, it looks like Edinburgh have given up the fourth fewest points this season. And and this one could be big, I think. They lead the league in turnovers one. So will any of those factors be enough? You know, give us your recipe for a win in Cape Town. Um, I think uh, we 
we, funnily enough, we talked about it on the uh, on the pod last week. That and I certainly we think of we think we have a good forward pack um, in Edinburgh, um, but you've got Schumann uh, and um, and WP um, going up against Mal Herbie and Kitsoff. Um, yeah. So it's going to be quite an interesting um, uh, an interesting setup for that one. But I think if we don't. Uh, what we shouted and screamed about with the Lions when they went to the South Africa is if you try and play South Africa at South Africa's game, yeah, you, you're going to lose. And yeah. I think what that I think if I'm going to cling on to any hope, um, it's going to be the fact that Edinburgh are going to go down there with a different a different tilt on the game. Um, that they'll be strong enough in contact to deal with what's coming at them, but they're not going to try and beat the door down. Um, with a strong pack, I think they're going to provide good ball and and run them off the field, um, and that will be the interesting part. When it's at this level, when it's knockout rugby, if you have a coach that's brilliant, can a can a brilliant coach always get you you know one sneaky win that you maybe shouldn't have had with with a surprise game plan, just doing things a different way than the other team expected, or is that just that mountain just too big? Well, you you had it on the weekend. Um, you had Ronan O'Gara and La Rochelle, yeah. who everybody wrote La Rochelle off. Um, Completely. were going to absolutely monster um, La Rochelle. And La Rochelle came out and they covered the, the, the 9-10, the 10-12 channel incredibly well with their defence. And Johnny Sexton couldn't play and couldn't put in his moves. And Leinster were lost. And that is a Ronan, that's Ronan O'Gara, Ronan O'Gara, what knowing Leinster, knowing how they're going to play, watching Leinster and deciding that's what they're going to do. And then all the rest of it fits in. So, you know, your your um your 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 fantastic back runners, your good wingers, your 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 interplay between the forwards and the backs all come in naturally like you would normally do because you've built that for the year. Um, but it's the actual specifics of right, we're going to make sure that because a lot of people go out there, you know, John might have my, I don't know if you'll disagree or that being his his team being one of the only ones that has beaten Leinster before but if you want to go out a lot of teams think that if they go out and they smash Johnny Sexton three or four times they're going to put him off his game well Johnny Sexton's been getting smashed regularly for, for since 1940 or whenever he started playing rugby so, so you know so you have to shut him down and, and the way you shut him down is not give him an option to pass the ball out take, and if, take, uh, take, take the ball off him basically yeah. make mm-hmm. sure make sure he's not in control of the ball because yeah you can't you can't you can't stop him by putting him on his back because well get he's up. got those he's got these teeny little shoulder pads for protection he does yeah he's, 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 yeah exactly yeah that's enough to it really yeah, looks like I a mean, like a, it really looks like a blouse out of the like late 80s or something it's kind of funny yeah yeah the power, power shoulder pads yeah um no i mean you really to stop leinster you have to stop leinster getting quick ball and the only way you do that is through your ruck speed um you know you just have to compete you have to make it difficult for them and i think one thing that i read earlier on and actually we are believe it or not Glasgow might get some joy uh, this weekend. Um, Leinster's drift defence, when when teams are able to move the ball from from coast to coast quickly, mm-hmm. Leinster Leinster defend really narrow because that's how they generate that that quick ball. They, they they defend narrow. They do truck up runners one and two, and they'll hit it in, and they've always got quite a big pack of forwards there to 
get in, get the ball back, move, 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 repeat, 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 and then create the overlap. Conversely, that means they defend quite narrow as well. So a team that's able to get good ruck speed and move it wide quickly, like Lara Shell started getting a lot of joy in that last 20 minutes once they started moving the ball. Yeah. And that's that that's where Glasgow have been successful against them in the past. But no, ultimately you need to stop them playing before you can play. Um, because they're just they're very, very good. They're gonna be so mad this weekend. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Do you know what? I know people have been saying about that as well, and I actually don't think it matters. Like oh, yeah? I think it's interesting. I think it's the difference between like, I think they would be up for it anyway, because that's oh, yeah. their bread and butter, you know. I mean, but they are a machine. Think... Maybe they don't spend all their time getting fuming about it. Maybe they don't have to. Yeah, machines don't have emotions. They just have, like, default settings, you know, and that machine probably, its default setting is just to, to destroy and rip Glasgow's lifeless corpse to pieces. So, you know. <laughs> oh, wow, you've adopted my metaphor of the lifeless desiccated uh, corpse. Yeah, <laughs> oh, no, yeah, I've, I've went there. Yep, yep, I've. <laughs> I'm fully embraced that. Yeah. So speaking of which, <laughs> John, you know, so I tried to do the same thing for you. I, I went looking for some stats. I uh, figured I can find some numbers that I can really spin. And uh, it was really hard. So I eventually found something because I got to say the URC website, they're a little screwy with the way they do their stats because I think they just, the setting is highest number equals best but that's not always the case in the stats you're looking at. So for instance, it says that Glasgow are 16th in the league in terms of tackles missed, but that's because you had the fewest. So you're actually yeah. ranked first in tackles missed. Um, so the, the website's a little screwy that way. Um, but the things I saw that did scare me, you know, first of all, you mentioned all those incredibly close games early on that could have gone either way that they might've been lucky to win. Glasgow's point differential this year is only 33 for the entire season. Yeah. That's frighteningly close. Tells me this record yeah. could have been a lot worse. And to compound that for this weekend in particular, Leinster, they have scored 137 more points than Glasgow this year while giving up, get this, 100 fewer points. I mean, that's rough. So, Coach Anderson, the big day is coming. What magical game plan do you roll out to steal this one from a Leinster team that, like we said, are probably going to be uh, steaming out of their little mechanical valves? Well, if, if I was just to give an interview in one of the local press outlets in uh, Scotland and I was just to say the, the boys have trained well this week and, you know, they've learned the lessons from from every other week that we've been... They took the, they took the learnings? They've taken their learnings and, you know, we're, we're going to be better men for it and uh, cliché, cliché, cliche cliche um do you know no there, there isn't any way to spin it leinster are a very very good side i think glasgow would have to play better than they've played for i would say three years mm. to be competitive against leinster uh, if leinster turn up at all glasgow the only the only the thing they keep harking back to is that we actually beat them fairly recently um and Again, it's one of those ones where that, it's like, that was well, a yeah. that was a, a full throated side by them too. That wasn't one of the the weeks when they were like, okay, bring in the academy boys or anything. Yeah, that was, no, that, was it, that was real it Leinster. Was, it was it was real Leinster, and we, we played we played very well. And it was one of those times where sometimes full Leinster uh, because almost it's funny because they're almost undercooked at times. But, hmm. You know when they go when they go full full throttle during the season, they can sometimes be undercooked because the guys are protected they're basically maintained through till playoff rugby time 
yeah, and yeah. then they get they get a good run of games. So sometimes you do get quite lucky and you catch them off guard, but I I just don't see anything this weekend that tells me that Glasgow are going to be even remotely close to Leinster. I, I, honestly, it could be embarrassing. Um, if Leinster want to, Leinster could easily put 50 points past Glasgow. So I think Easily. I think the answer to this question is no. I kind of hope it's no. But if if you actually were the coach for Glasgow and you foresee just an ass kicking, is there a stage at which you say, okay, the game plan is to slow everything down so they just can't score as many points? We just don't want it, the final score to be fifty-seven to five. So let's only give them time to score forty-two. Like, do you ever just go for straight mitigation instead of a, a winning game plan? I, th- I think it would it would never start like that, but I think certainly as things progress, it'll be interesting to see if the game plan does slow down a bit because I think I think it depends. It's professional pride, isn't it? And these yeah. these guys, you know, it's up to them. Uh, the the fifteen that take the take the field, the twenty three in the squad, everybody that trains, it's up to them to kind of define themselves as rugby players, and mm. they're playing against they're playing against a world class team, so. You know, it's an example. Test themselves against it. You know, I actually, I remember a lot, and it's a weird comparison to make, but I remember when um, Andy Murray in the tennis was was kind of starting to, you know, he was getting to fourth, fifth in the world, and he was coming up against like Rafa Nadal and Djokovic, and he was yeah, losing, yeah. and he was losing badly, and people were questioning, well, mentality. Do 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 you actually have the mentality to be the best in the world? Do you? Uh, clearly, you don't because you're you're not able to produce. And it's it was getting those beatings that allowed him to go away, reflect. But he had that drive. He had that internal yeah. drive to be. I love Andy better. Murray. I don't think necessarily there's certainly there's a lot of players in this Glasgow team that are coming to the end of their career. Where is the motivation to improve now? Mm. You know, they're not going to be Scotland caps. They're not going to be. You know they're not going to be heading off to to play for you know the top teams in the world anymore. This is this is their World Cup final. This is their you know chance to prove that they are still relevant as rugby players. And I just feel like the mentality won't be there, and it's going to be such a struggle to, for 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 teams to. But to answer that, so I've kind of gone off piece a wee bit with your question. To answer your question, I think Glasgow will start full noise trying to rattle Leinster. I think they'll concede after probably 15 minutes will be the first try for Leinster, and then the sales will be absolutely dead. There will be no wind left, and Glasgow will just go through the motions and take a scudding off them. Yeah. Andy Murray, the tennis player who was Scottish until he won Wimbledon, then suddenly the English were like, oh, <laughs> we're so proud of our British player. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this the same player who got a, a, bit, a bit of a ribbing for his admittedly joke during the 2006 World Cup when asked who he was supporting and he simply replied anyone but England <laughs> um, and he got he got absolutely pillared in the press for that really uh, oh yes that's gold <laughs> yeah imagine my feeling when Tom Brady said he was rooting for the Springboks I was like what? what's going on right now <laughs> why why, why? That, that's of course the tip of the iceberg with that guy um <laughs> So, magical, weird fairy tale time. Uh, <laughs> so, let's say both your teams find that perfect game plan. 
Uh, they get a nice sprinkling of luck mixed in there, and both of them advance next weekend. I'm pretty sure that would mean one of you would play the winner of the All-Irish match and the other would play the winner of the All-South African match. I only mention that because that does make, I think, an All-Scottish final for the URC a possibility. I said possible, not plausible. Am I right about that at least? <laughs> yeah, that is, um, that is what's being discussed. Um, and uh, that will there'll be a lot of stars that need to align to have that happen. But, yes. Um, but please, yes. I mean, this first one. weekend almost looks, <laughs> this first weekend almost looks harder than that subsequent weekend. If it were to happen, I think if, if Leinster are out of the way, it's, it's suddenly a new tournament. Yeah. Um, I, I, th I think you're right. I think, um, uh, I, I think you're all bets are off if Leinster are out of the way. Um, I think you've got a very, very strong Ulster, uh, Ulster team. You got a very very strong Stormers team, um, and then you have two Scottish teams that 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 on their day, if they play well, um, they can do a very good a very very good job. I think um, with Glasgow, the although the coach doesn't know, um, but some of the members of the team know how to go to a final and win. Mm. They also know how to go to a final and and nearly win and unfortunately lose. But they they you know they they've been to finals before. Um, Edinburgh is a different kettle of fish, and uh, you know they they've got a coach who's who's an international class coach, but he's in his first season, and a lot of the players don't don't know what they will. How I'm not sure how they will take the pressure, um, but uh, yeah, it'll be an interesting thing. I, I think, and and believe me, and 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 John knows this about me. Uh, if there's anyone rooting for um, uh, Glasgow to beat Leinster, it's me. Um, because I would quite happily see uh, see Leinster beaten in the URC and give them nothing this year. Imagine, um, because I think you know it would be. Uh, I, I could imagine um, how uh, burning hot Irish Twitter would be. But um, <laughs> <I know. laughs> it would be it would be a place fueled like we would basically have worked out the world energy crisis right there because yeah. the world could be powered by the pure raging heat coming off of Irish Twitter. We would never need to burn another fossil fuel in our yeah. existence. <laughs> Irish Twitter would fuel the world. We're going to replace. And all I would stand over it with hands out like this, just going, "Yes, yes." <laughs> <laughs> all across Ireland, Ireland, they replaced the petrol stations with vitriol stations. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's true as well. Yeah. Just I think. I think it's important this. <laughs> uh, to say as well that yeah craig's point about you know obviously supporting glasgow against leinster is is uh, you know absolutely accurate and i think you know for all the, the laughing and joking through the season um you know we, i'll certainly be supporting both scottish teams at the weekend as well um and that'll stay the same throughout the playoffs because you know we want we want to see scottish teams do well and the rivalry is with it's it's not necessarily actually real it's, sure. it's all of it marketed uh yeah it's it's it's, it's fun until the chips are down and then everybody comes well. together so that's great yeah um, yeah yeah except when we're playing against each other i, I you know the rest of the time i don't mind uh, them winning uh within reason depends yeah, on yeah. a good team they're playing or not because i can't deal with craig when, I, when they beat a good team and then i get the oh is that a good team yet then john <laughs> um <laughs> oh that, that doesn't sound like him at all every, 
<laughs> every game, every game. Hang on, West Stephen played. It was Stephen played. It was the mustache. <laughs> Absolutely deviant. <laughs> it is funny too so as somebody from the outside who supports scotland you know at, at the national level naturally i sort of if edinburgh are playing a non-scottish team i'm rooting for them if glasgow are playing a non-scottish team i'm rooting for them and then when they play each other i just get to go ah what's gonna happen and what will they be talking about on their pod this week i can't wait <laughs> oh, it's just like it's like Cammy with his who you say who you supporting today, Cammy. I'm supporting rugby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was man. in the stands beside beside us shouting go rugby. <laughs> That's got I'm class. I'm pretty sure it was him that made those Glasgow fans move. Yeah. <laughs> I think it, I think it was Cammy. I think it was ultimately I thought it was me, but I think it might have been Cammy. <laughs> go well. rugby. <laughs> I don't think we're, we're even close to loud enough to get anyone to move out of our section. I think we're the ones moving, but. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it, it's already been an hour. I should wrap this thing up. Um, I did put together, you know, in my notes, I wrote mini quiz, but that's a pretty highfalutin way to look at it because it's three questions that you probably already know. <laughs> um, uh, so real quick, if you're looking Oh, by the way, you, I know you guys like to have lots of tabs open and be looking at all sorts of stats and stuff at the time, so no cheating. Uh, but if you're looking at the leading point scores in the URC this year, you each have one player in the top 15. So I'm going to do a little wrong foot thing here. Uh, John, which Edinburgh player is on that list and where did he rank? Uh, so it will be, let me just think. So it It'll be Emiliano Buffelli. It is. Um, it'll be Buffelli, and I think he is fourth in the list. Let's go with fourth. He's way down at 11. Is he? Wow, okay. Yeah. Oh, Sam Davis is above uh, him, too. Oh, surprised. It, Gareth Askham I mean, is thought... above him. Wow, what a comeback for Gareth. Amazing. Uh, Gareth's done well. And uh, so, Craig, obviously opposite to you, who is the Glasgow player on that list, and where is he ranked? I would say you're going to have to go with Ross Thompson. You are right. Mm-hmm. And I would say he is... I think he's below Buffelli. He is, just by a couple. Just, just by a barely, couple. I think that's because he's not been played as much as he should have been played. Ah, uh, yes. Um, so, I think, uh, yeah, sorry. When you're looking at defenders beaten, there are actually three Edinburgh players, well, two Edinburgh players in the top five. And if you look at the top 10, there's three Edinburgh players and just one warrior in there. So I'm again going to wrong foot you guys. John, uh, who are at least a couple of these Edinburgh players who are high on this list of defenders beaten? Def- so defenders beaten. I, 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 right. So I actually looked at this for our Christmas quiz. Oh. So, uh, so at the time, I'm thinking that uh, Darcy Graham was quite was doing well. He's so up Darcy, there. Darcy, he's in the top five. Uh, so we'll go Darcy. We'll go Blair Kinghorn actually, who does beat defenders. And we'll... Blair Kinghorn is way down at thirty second though. Wow, that's interesting. Because he, he was always really high for that when he played fullback, wasn't he, Craig? Yeah. Okay. 
that's surprising. I don't know how to take that from John sometimes. He actually, was, <laughs> he, he actually, he actually, me, he actually meant it as a nice thing, but I was thinking, is he, oh, he should be a pullback. He's not Wait a, a minute. <laughs> what, a, what a dick. Ouch. I know, I was trying to be nice. I know, oh, you are nice, John. You are nice, John. Uh, right, another Edinburgh person who's run past people a lot. Uh, There's somebody uh, ahead of Darcy, actually. Is there? That's surprising. Um, I I really really don't know. Is it Ben Felicott? Perhaps he is not. Craig, do you know the do you know this one? It's got to be either Mark Bennett or Buffelli. I would have thought. Mark Bennett is number nine. Henry Immelman is number four. Wow! Immelman. Yeah, for, uh, I, uh, who I saw you know, today I, actually. I thought enough. of really? Henry Immelman, and I just I thought. Does it count as a defender beating when you run over the top of someone? And I was like, <laughs> Austin Healy talked it? about that this very weekend. He said, Oh, so and so leads the entire league in uh, defenders beaten with 90, but I think 45 of those were just trucking right over the dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Craig, I've got to ask you then. So, in our, of course, the way they do these stats too, if there's people tied for the same number, they group them all with the same number and then skip to the net. Anyway, um, so there's two people tied at ninth. Mark Bennett is one and the other is one of John's warriors. Do you know who that is? Um, Josh Mackay? It is not. Uh, mm. There's also Sienna Tiopolotu. Who I don't think probably maybe played enough to get that high up on the list. No, no, it's not him either. You got it, John. I've got, I've got the list in front of me. Yet, hey. Oh, right. wait, there he goes. He just, <laughs> oh man. Oh, so no, I mean, I, I, I'm so knowledgeable about the game because you've got the computer I, open. That's. <laughs> I just popped the list up there because I wanted to confirm it was still the same as it was, which actually it, it is, with one exception. One person has improved significantly, which I'm surprised about. You're gonna name him with bated breath. <laughs> oh, you know, right, so, right, so top, right, top, top warrior for defenders beaten. Will come as no surprise to you, Craig. It is King Dempo himself, big Jack Dempsey. Oh. Also, okay. very high up in the offloads as well. So, if that's your next question, David, sorry. Uh... <laughs> Close that tab, young man. That is not fair. <laughs> You've then got, surprisingly, despite the fact he's barely played this season, Rufus McLean. Yeah, I noticed. Is, uh, up there for, A few uh, spots down uh, from there. Okay, yeah, last, so last, the last one, so don't look. <laughs> um, what a stat uh, I particularly it, what, Click. Uh, a stat I love, of course, is turnovers one. Uh, I just feel like it does. I feel like, quick side, a uh, quick aside here. Would you guys agree that of all the major sports, rugby is the hardest one to tell you about through statistics like feel like baseball is almost too much with stats basketball they have all these advanced metrics um american football is the same way rugby the numbers you can look at them and and it might not tell you what you're about to see in in a subsequent matchup or anything like that do you think that's true or do i just not understand them enough Uh, i think i think that's um it's pretty fair yeah i think you can you can get a rough idea what sort of team you're going to watch but actually ultimately i think all good teams all professional teams have the ability to play multiple ways yeah and quite often it's almost like you know looking at the 
looking at the statistics tells you what a team's done to to date, but that is literally what they've done to date. And every team has a game plan for every other team. So, and then there's the converse of that, which is you're coming up against a team that knows you're going to do that. Mm-hmm. So you then you then have this kind of like ridiculous situation of you never really know what what team you're going to be facing. Um, I also feel like you're speaking about good teams. There's so many ways you can impact a game that just aren't going to show up on any stat sheets that, you know, your best player might go completely unnoticed if you're just pouring through the numbers later. You also are in a situation where someone, you know, all you need is, for example, meters, meters gained. Um, You know, you've got players that, 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 oh, you know, his meters gained are are way up high, but actually they've made three interceptions on their 22. Yeah, um, yeah, and 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 run a try in, you know, and it's it's like they could be they could be a you know an absolutely horrendous defender, or they could be knocking the ball on all the time, be sent yeah. off regularly, <laughs> but you know, wow, the the meters gained are what a phenomenal player because they've they've had three intercepts, you know. It's just well, the, way it... the NFL is like that too, with quarterbacks getting the credit for all the yards that you get after you've caught it, so he can just do a little sideways screen pass, but then you run ninety yards and suddenly yeah. it's a ninety yard pass. Look at me, I'm yeah, a great quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting as well. Thinking about that, I think teams that are under pressure quite often find that their fullback or certainly their, their return, uh, kick return, uh, they normally find you, you do build a lot of meter. Because obviously, when you get the ball kicked to you, every meter you make from that point is a meter gained because the team of uh, it's one of the really annoying metrics we have in rugby because actually, it's not a meter gained. Like, they, they've punted it 50, 60 metres down the park to you to catch it. So really, you're as a team, you're not making any distance if you only make 30 metres. But yeah, yeah. the fullback will get 30 metres on yeah, the Yeah, he gets 30 block. instead and of negative 26. that five times a game. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, look, Stuart Hogg made 286 metres today. <laughs> it's like, no, he didn't. He <laughs> ran the ball back 10 times and made 28 each time. And yeah, and in, in a way, it, it, it helps you to have the other guy have such a huge boot on him that you're always getting it super deep yeah. as well. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I really like like kick meters gained as well. I think that's actually a, a better when okay. you compare. So when you compare, so what you can do, one of the things I trialed with with like uh, rugby metrics for a while was the idea of having like almost a like a timeline, and it's almost the ebb and flow of where the ball is. And you're able to see, like, so, the, like, possession as a kind of natural concept. You know, you see the kind of changing of possession, but actually seeing where the ball is on the park and seeing oh. like the distance travelled and stuff. So you can oh, wow. see those quick clearance kicks. You can see where a team makes a massive advantage gain, and then you can almost pinpoint the players that are responsible for that at that point. And that's where you start. You're then able to kind of say, "Oh, this player has a had a good game." And and they made this amount of t- territory, or they they influenced mm. the game in this way, as opposed to just that kind of traditional kind of almost dumb metric of how far did they run. Are there advanced metrics coming into rugby? Are we going to start to see some of these sort of advanced stats, yeah. as they like to call them here? Yeah, I mean uh, the clubs themselves so. use the clubs themselves use them. Most of the players are rigged up with GPS now, right? Uh, so the yeah the clubs use advanced metrics already, to the point where there was even you know like contact speed and scrums were being monitored, things like that. Oh, wow. So, you know, the impact impact pressure, you're able to tell if a props or a second row or whoever is, is able to continue or is, is at the point where it's time for a change just mm. by their kind of GPS speed. So, yeah, you've, uh, you've, you've, definitely that's a thing. 
they're using, you know, you've got the GPS in the back of the shirt um, for where they are in the field. You've got their heart monitor on them to tell you how much how much their effort they're putting in. They've got their gum shields now with chips in them that'll tell you how much G load, uh, you know, for concussion. You've also now they tell you whether they brush tra- their teeth or not. Yeah, the, the, the Premiership are, are currently testing um, sensors in the balls so that they yep. can tell how far the ball has been kicked. It seems really invasive to the play. Oh, 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 the, the rugby ball. Yeah. <laughs> right to Joe Marler again, is it? Yeah, it seems to be. <laughs> Just checking your sensor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think there's, there's, there was teams using pat, uh, like sensors in the pads as well. For like, oh, wow. Uh, so you've got GPS for, obviously, the GPS for the the speed but also you've then got the force uh, yeah the force yeah impact through the pads as well uh so yeah there's all sorts of metrics all sorts of things getting measured so there's more available got, uh, members they've also got members of the uh of the oscars uh committee for johnny johnny sexton when he goes down and uh, holds his head when he's been hitting the chest you know and see how good an actor <laughs> he is I mean, we've all been there, Craig. There, there's nothing quite. There's nothing quite like you know getting a like a real impact just in your solar plexus that really does absolutely feel like you've been hitting the head. You know, it's yeah, yeah it's, it's hard going, mate. Well, I think Johnny Sexton is just making himself qualified to earn some different soccer awards each year on top of anything he accomplishes on the rugby pitch. Yeah. <laughs> so uh I, I steered that ship way off course. I did have that one last one. So turnovers won. Um, each of you again have one player in the top 11. So, John, who do you think is the Edinburgh player in the top 11 for turnovers won this year? Um, I mean, you would obviously think Hamish Watson, but he's maybe not played as much. Mm. Um, so Connor Boyle, did he play enough? Connor Boyle, where do I find him here? Connor Boyle is down at 26th, right? Okay. Um, one last guess then. Um, it's not going to be. Oh, maybe. Uh, Dave Cherry. Oh no, not quite. What about Craig? Do you? Uh, can you bail him out? Um. Uh, well, let me think. Just because obviously I'm automatically going to be drawn to Pierre Schumann. Um, and uh, there's also Magnus Bradbury, but also Ben Muncaster. I think has has been incredibly good as well on that side of things. Interesting. I uh, mentioned everyone apart from the right guy. No, you yeah. did. You you had him mixed in there. Magnus Bradbury is number eleven this year. Um, I'm surprised. I'm not seeing Skuman anywhere here. Connor Boyle, twenty six. Uh, Dave Cherry and Jamie Ritchie tied for thirty fifth. And Cammy uh, yeah. Hutchinson at forty seven. Interesting. Who is a center? Yeah, a uh, I mean, running center. You know, he's a. He's, he's remember the Alex. Center. The Alex Dunbar effect. He was one of the That's best true, back, yeah. backs over a over a ball I've ever seen. Yeah. So obviously the sort of opposite question, Craig, who is the Glasgow Warrior on this list? And he, he's actually ranked higher than any of the Edinburgh players at number seven. He's got to be Rory Darge. It is Rory Darge. Nice one. <laughs> <laughs> just because he's a, you know just a, he's he's the superstar of the moment, I, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I did want to wrap up a little bit with just giving out a, a couple of superlatives. So I am wondering, Craig, we'll start with you. Uh, 
who was Edinburgh's MVP this year? And um, could that change based on an outcome this coming weekend? Or is it kind of set in stone no matter what? Wow, right, okay. Um, we Funnily enough, this has been the time of year where we've all been discussing it. And um, uh, obviously um, you had Nick, Nicola on um, last week and she was discussing it as well. And uh, for me, and, and, and this is an overall effect, um, well, I'll, st- I'll start with some runners-up, if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah, um, I'd love that. Um, so with, uh, obviously, Emiliano Buffelli, yep. um, who is one of my choices anyway, um, he's been... He started phenomenal. great and became greater as the season wore on, too, it feels like. Yeah, yeah. He's, 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 he's been... He came. He made an, an immediate impact. Um, and I remember watching... Um, uh, Henry Inmanman when he first started, he seemed to play more than 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 Buffelli at the time, um, and he was in at fifteen. And we kind of went, you know, okay, this guy's meant to be brilliant, and he was he was doing quite well, but he was a little bit layward with his kicks and things like that. And mm. thinking, oh, have we has this been a great signing or not? And then Buffelli came along, and just the the the, the Moyano Buffelli Immelman back three has worked incredibly well when we didn't have Darcy. Um, mm. And so, yeah, Emiliano Buffelli has been phenomenal. Um, ben Velikot can be thrown in there. Um, he's, uh, he's He's really, um, and, and I have to apologise to, to Nicola as well, um, because I completely disagree with her favourite player. Um, because oh. she was a fa- she's, a, she's a fan of Henry Pergos, who unfortunately um, uh, I would probably break one of her rules of her of her um, <laughs> of her group. If I started to talk about Henry Pergos, um, so you know, Ben Velikot's been fantastic, and he's he's really brought a bit of spark. Um, and Blair Kinghorn again, the, the move from from fifteen and wing to um, to for me what I would call an international ten. He has proven himself this year, and he's been incredibly good for the team. But and I cannot go anywhere further than to say my MVP for um, Edinburgh has been Pierre Schumann and that is based on overall yeah you know know, it's not just his performance on the pitch how he interacts with the fans how he um, plays for the team, how he has come to Scotland and has just you know he's just you know he's signed a a new deal with, um, with Edinburgh for what's rumoured to be at least three years um, because he wants to, he wants to have kids here. He wants to live here. Um, he loves Edinburgh, um, and and he's really bought into the team. Yeah. And you don't. And nowadays you don't get very many props who play eighty minutes. Yeah. And, and he will play eighty minutes on a regular basis. You know. Yeah, it's unbelievable for somebody. It's somebody his size too. It, I think one of the first times you and I ever spoke, I said, you know, what's the deal with with Schumann? Is he as good as I think he might be, or is he too much of a penalty machine? It feels like that tendency towards giving away dumb penalties he's he's flushed that i just don't see that anymore i don't see the dumb mistakes yeah i th- I, th- I think you ha- you have the situation where he you know um i was very lucky to beat his first ever game for edinburgh which was against bath um as a as a warm-up and he came on the field and 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 he um uh he gave away a couple of penalties and and we wondered what, what was going on and then he came on and started to play for edinburgh and, and i remember him getting sent off at uh in the quarterfinal against munster and you know oh yeah 
it was, you know, we all worried about him because, and he was getting penalties against them in the scrum as well. Um, yeah. And we were really starting to worry about it. But I think a, a mixture of two things. I think he was he was over eager because mm. that's who he is. Um, yep. when, you, when you get to, not that I get, to, not that I know him that well, but when you get to know him as a player, you you can see he's trying to prove himself. He wants to prove himself. He wants mm. to be loved by the by the the fans. Um, but also, I think he's matured, and he's you know with him with him entering into the the international squad as well. It's he's 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 getting access to a different level of coaching, um, and he's and he's coming through. He's learning that that Braun, you have to engage the the final two or the final you know two feet or you know several centimeters off your body at the top there rather than than the rest of it when you're playing rugby at times. Yeah, and I think he's just I think he's 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 developed his technique and he's um he's realised that you know going in all fists flying etc doesn't always win you know well he still has one of my all-time favorite moments when he lifted up the padding around the post to prevent somebody <laughs> from touching the ball down against it as they've been doing it and they instantly changed the rule after that it's got to be named after him somehow like the the the, the, the skumon exception or something yeah absolutely absolutely i i we i giggled away myself but you know it's a typical um we talk about the dark arts of the front rowers, and we talk about the 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 um, you know typical props. And you always think about a prop who's the last one in the pub with a pint of beer in his hand, and always going to be always has a wink, you know, for you know I know what I'm doing here. And I think I think that's the kind of thing he kind of fell into that. You know, he, he you know it's what he would do. He would be looking to put the ball down on the bottom of the post, so yeah. I to stop that lift the pad and uh, it just uh, it was fantastic and I, I loved that I absolutely loved that but then he's it's, he's been full of those things um, there, there are some you know uh, some fantastic um, things that have happened with him on, on, on the field and I think you know, uh, one of my favourites actually this season was when and, and it's a real shame for the guy um, I think I've forgotten who the, who the, the, the Edinburgh prop was who was playing um, at loose head against Ulster, and we were getting absolutely smashed in every in every every scrum on his side, and we we're going backwards. And Ulster kept coming coming on, and we would get a penalty, so they'd take another scrum, and then they'd get another penalty. Then we'd get take another scrum. Yeah, and yeah. All of a sudden, at thirty six minutes, on comes Pierre Schumann, and they and they were going to take another scrum, and then they kicked to the corner. <laughs> <laughs> wow. His nickname. That's the, we can just call him the writing on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the opposite side of that coin, obviously, is one that Nicholas simply didn't want to answer because, as, as far as she's concerned, it's you know not worth mentioning. But and I didn't want to say who's been who's been bad. I don't. I also don't like to say that kind of thing. Um, yeah. But I do think it's a fair question to say, who is somebody who's underperformed? For, you know, before the season started, you thought we're going to get X out of so-and-so, and instead you've gotten half X out of them. And, you know, maybe it's injuries, maybe it's not their own fault, maybe it's coaching or being misused, but there's got to be somebody who you're like, ah, if, you know, if this person had been where I thought, we would all be a little bit further on. Um, I, I don't think, I think as a whole, 
Um, and I'm going to give you a nickel answer at a second, but I'll, I'll come back to the. I will. I do have a negative for you, but I'll I'll, I'll start off with the positive as I usually do. Um, as a whole, we have had an uplift with the team, mm. and you know we we've the team have played. You know we are in a, a situation now, and where the difference between ourselves and Glasgow has been um, is that you know we can bring on players from the bench 99.9% of the time now and we don't see a drop in mm. performance so we've had a we've, we've had a very genuine lift in the in the quality of the players the the output from the players and the technical ability of the players is a lot um, of that the, the, the coaching change too or is that just the players the the the, the big issue uh, it's definitely 100% coaching and 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 when I, when i say that what i mean is um you have players that are now empowered and Mike Blair talks about empowering the players mm. there's there's coaches who will let you know who will say to players right play what's in front of you on you go the old French style jouer jouer <laughs> go out there and just play the play rugby and that's it you've then got coaches who will coach you to the nth degree the Eddie Joneses the 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 um the Schmitz the oh, yeah, you know, I was going to mention him yeah yeah who will who you know, if this happens, in fact, Gregor Townsend is going that way as well. If this happens, then you do this. If you do, if that then happens, then you do this. Then if this happens, then you do this. Um, and that, unfortunately, sometimes can 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 put together some winning teams, but it also becomes incredibly claustrophobic for the players. Yeah, yeah. I felt like when Joe Schmidt was in charge of Ireland, they got to a certain level, and then it felt like the constriction was too much, and they just couldn't. They couldn't jouer jouer. You know, there was none of that left, yeah. and they were like, uh... Yeah, and that's that's very much where we found Cockrell. You know, he, he brought us to a level, and then we just didn't have... The flair kind of got knocked out of the players. Mm. And where Mike, Mike Blair is, 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 is working well, um, and he's, he's obviously... He has um, empowered the players. When he empowers the players, you get a positive reaction from the players who then buy into the team more, who then want to be uh, technically better. They want to be fitter. They want to prove themselves. Having mm. the new stadium, they want to perform well in front of the fans who are now filling the stands more because, they have a, because they're doing better. Um, so, for example, and, and, and I'll go back to um, uh, Nicholas' favourite, and one of the players I also used to criticise is the wrong word, but some things made me shake my head. Henry Purgos has had to speed up. I always go on about Henry Purgos being incredibly slow. Um, his ruck speed was slow. He, he he always kicked the ball. He was, you know, people liked that because they felt he controlled the game well. Um, but I just, I, I'm a player. I like, I like the, you know, provide quick ruck speed, provide good ball from mm. the forwards and then move the ball quickly. But Henry Purgos has has become better this season. Okay, um, you can see he's, he's he's going quicker. He's moving quicker. He's looking for more snipes. He's 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 looking for that. He's got that energy back. And Chris Dean, um, who's been playing at uh, at centre, his he was he was a crash centre uh, with Cockrell. He he crashed everything. He he would always take contact every mm. single time. He has developed this delicious pass that is just phenomenal, and he has won games for us with his passing. So I think on that side of things, I think you know, he's, if I was, if you asked me two years ago, I would give you those two players and say they have been 
they have been the most frustrating players I've followed mm. for Edinburgh. Um, but they are now moving on with 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 Mike Blair. But to answer your first question, um, and it's it's got absolutely nothing to do with with the player's ability. I think it's to do with how he has been used throughout um, last year, uh, including the Lions series, etc. And that's Hamish Watson. I feel Hamish Watson has 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 been. When I say disappointing, I'm dis. I think he, I'm disappointed for him, and it's not that the the fans are disappointed because Hamish Watson. Anyone wants to get a a chance to say hello to Hamish Watson, talk to Hamish Watson, shake his hand, meet him in the street, watch him play. You know, you take your, Jamie Ritchie and Hamish Watson on on fire. You take your children to go and watch these players play. We can mm. watch these guys. You know, and my son wants to be a a back rower because of these guys. But he's just been off his game this year. Just been off his game. He's not the Hamish Watson that he has been before. And I think he's just tired. And I think it's the same with Finn Russell and Stuart Hogg, etc. I think they're all just a bit tired. Xander Fagerson, just a bit tired. That's actually a beautiful setup for the final thing I'm going to ask both of you, which is my probably insane borderline conspiracy theory. <laughs> but I do want to at least give John a chance for the, the same two questions I just had for you. Uh, John, the, the first one was, of course, pretty obvious who was your MVP for Glasgow this year who, who do you think was your best player overall who did the most in, uh, in terms of benefit this team yeah so I, I mean two two players stood out head and shoulders above everyone else for Glasgow this year um, one of them's already been mentioned Jack Dempsey uh, who would be uh, you know, I, I think it's, it's a bit harsh that he loses out in this because he actually has he's been probably Glasgow's most consistent performer but yep. he only loses out because this guy has not been consistent he's been sublime and mm. that's Rory Darge uh, who took took the you know uh, the Glasgow awards recent, recently took most of the awards to be honest but uh, yeah Darge, Darge has been unbelievable this season for Glasgow and unbelievable actually making his Scotland debut as well and yeah. you know having having a debut to remember. Uh, you know, he's he's a very talented young man. He and he's very he, young too. He's, like we're expecting, yeah. he's at what forty percent of what we're actually going to get out of him as he fully matures. I mean, the position he plays, yeah, we see we see with guys like you know, young young back rowers tend to it, it's you know the cliche of experience. They know how to get away with more. They know how to get into position more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They might not be as quick across the turf anymore, but they they certainly know their they know their role a bit better. And you know, I think he's learning from certainly in Scotland camp. He's learning from the absolute best. And and Hamish Watson, who to Craig's point, I agree, has had a hangover season from the Lions, but um, Darge can only go from strength to strength, and uh, he is, and it's great, there's actually more players coming through in that position as well over in Edinburgh with, with their back rowers that, you know, Scotland, Scotland have always been good at producing number sevens, and, and we've, got a, we've got a very, very good crop coming, but Darge and Dempsey for me have been miles ahead of everyone else in a Glasgow shot this season. And so the, the second question, of course, was, you know, not who's been bad. We don't want to, we're not using terms like that, but who's somebody that you expected to get a certain amount out of and it just never happened. Somebody who just didn't completely measure up to your expectations this year. 
I mean, so it's that it's like a like a good TMO. You've worded that question very well because <laughs> if 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 the interpretation was slightly different. Because you've mentioned expectation. I mean, Duncan, Duncan Weir has been an absolute car crash this season. He has been <sighs> extremely poor, and there wasn't any expect. But the but the re- that there wasn't any expectation right, right. for me because I I thought he was going to be poor, and <laughs> uh, but he has been more poor than I possibly thought was. I'm already seeing that car skidding off the road, so I do anticipate yeah, it crashing yeah, right yeah. now. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was skidding, but I didn't I didn't anticipate it hitting the barrier, flipping 14 times, and then exploding. So and then landing on the um, bus full of nuns. Yeah, exactly. Yes, 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 exactly. So. Um, it's, it's a difficult one because actually I think a lot of Glasgow players have not necessarily hit the heights. I think I think Xander's had a quiet season. Hmm. I think again to Craig's point, I think the Lions have the Lions have all been quiet. Uh, I think Ali Price struggled as well. Um, for me, Ryan Wilson. Um, okay, having had a good couple of years in the COVID environment, actually having sort of had a bit of a renaissance if you will of uh nice of sorts i know that was good wasn't it that was very yeah. good sorry I, hey. I thought i would just i would i thought i would just uh join you guys in that sort of <laughs> you fit right yeah. in here my friend yeah we just need a reference to gentle giant or vandergraaf generator or maybe early genesis <laughs> and then boom pod wrapped <laughs> <laughs> sorted, sorted. Uh, or wrapped. <laughs> um, no, I think Ryan Wilson had. Uh, he's kind of reverted back to type a wee bit in that he had been quite poor for a couple of seasons, had a decent impact over the COVID period, but now that we've almost now that we've got fans back, he's back to being his old huh. numpty self and. It's he's been really really poor this year, but he's not alone in that. And uh, the other one that I'm slightly disappointed with, having expected a lot more in terms of kicking on, is actually Ross Thompson. Uh, oh. I think Ross Thompson's a very very talented player. Who he's been... he's he's always been very hard for me to assess. Not like I'm an expert anyway, but for some reason I just watch him and I'm I don't know what I'm seeing. I'm not I just never know. Oh wow, that was really great. Or ooh, this guy needs work. It, I don't know why he's like invisible to me in a weird way. So his his kicking percentages are extremely high. Um, he's a very very good kicking ten, and he does have the ability to run the ball. He does have the ability to pass well off either side. It's almost like he's been restrained a wee bit hmm. it feels like he's almost been told to play a wee bit like uh, and this will be a reference that, Ed, uh, that Craig and uh, the Edinburgh boys remember but kind of when Cockrell had had your tens playing very much like you do not go past the man outside you you don't you don't do anything other than do exactly that for a couple of phases and then put put the leather off it usually badly um <laughs> And that's kind of Thompson's playing like a cockerel ten this season, and uh, he, he has so much more to his game, hmm. which it might be a feeling of coaching. Most, yeah, it's a feeling of coaching. Let's not kid on as anything else. Um, but he's had a disappointing year as well, so that would be the long-winded answer to say, yeah, uh, those are those are my main main characters. Uh, so this was the little tiny bit that I had 
I, I, as we were starting, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to do this part or not, but both of you sort of led me right to it. So, all right, now I have to. <laughs> Here's one. I, I don't know if either of you even thought about this. And, and like I said, it might be borderline, you know, tinfoil hat level. <laughs> um, but just in the last few weeks, I've heard in multiple podcasts, multiple platforms, a lot of people talking about how when players come back from Alliance Tour, there tends to be a bit of a drop off in form. And it seems like it happens all the time. And a lot of people have been saying, well, first of all, they speculated about why. You know, some people say, oh, it's the emotional investment and the drain that creates. Others say it's just the physical side of the endurance, the grueling nature of that entire endeavor. To me, I can't see any reason why it wouldn't be a combination of those two things. But in any event, if this is a known thing, if you know coaches know ahead of time that they have to anticipate you dropping off a little bit when you are returning, and not, not to mention the extra rest. I know they, they sort of wrapped up Hamish, for instance, in some bubble wrap for a few weeks too when he came back. So the most recent Lions tour, Scotland fans, including myself, were very excited for the sheer number of players chosen. I think it was eight. I think it was, was, was that right? Did the yep. fact that so many Scottish players get selected, given the subsequent drop-off in return, directly contribute to the travails that the Scottish clubs, as well as the national team, are having right now? Ever since the Lions tour, some of the shine and the, the hope we had last year just seemed to have gone away. The, this, this disappointing Six Nations, um, the sort of rough ending for Glasgow in the URC, the Edinburgh sort of doing well, but just well enough and stuff like everything seems to have dropped off a little bit. And this is just after we had basically a record number of Scottish players on the Lions tour. Am I totally crazy? Yes and no. <laughs> um, yes, yes and no. Uh, uh, so, so from a club perspective, I don't, I don't think the it necessarily stands up from a club perspective because, okay. you know, Edinburgh actually lost most of their Lions uh, so Duhan and and Rory Sutherland obviously oh, moved on. Mm. Uh, so they were they, it was just just Hamish that was left, wasn't it, Greg? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who admittedly had had a a quiet season, but Edinburgh with Connor Boyle have you know obviously unleashed, and they obviously they've got they've got a very strong back row anyway. So it's almost like they could mitigate in a lot of ways. Hamish being a bit quieter, an on-form Hamish Watson improves any side in the world, but. Sure. Edinburgh were able to mitigate that and, you know, manage it. I think Glasgow may be more impacted by it, uh, with Ali Price in particular um, being a bit quieter. I don't think Glasgow necessarily utilised their squad as well as they should have. Um, they've been relatively unlucky with injuries as well. But that said, George Horn wasn't injured and still wasn't getting a game. And Ali Price was when Ali Price was pretty clearly knackered. So I don't think from a club perspective it holds much weight. From a national perspective, I think it does. And the reason for that, mm -hmm. so the counter-argument would always, always be that other teams had more players on the tour, so why were, we, why were they able to be competitive and we weren't? Um, Smaller player pool our, in the first place. Yeah, exactly. Our, we rely heavily on our star players. Right. Um, most other sides have... You know they've got a much broader player pool. There's probably, probably you could argue more stars in their team as well. You know the fact that we've got a Finn Russell and Hogg at each other's throats at the end of the Six Nations. The fact you've got you know Chris Harris is clearly tired. Yeah. Clearly starting to struggle a wee bit. It's, 
Rory Sutherland, you know, missing from missing a lot of it from injury as well. Duhan was just doing Duhan things, but you know, he can't in his position, he can't just win games on his own. Um, which is kind of what Scotland almost needed. And yeah, I think I think there is there's a lot in it, and I think um Scotland's will do well to give guys a break over the over the summer and regroup. But I think there's a lot of ego management needs to take place as well. And the two yeah. pe- two people I've mentioned, Finn and Finn and Hogg in particular, I think need to there needs to be a few maybe uh, conversations happen just to kinda not necessarily massage those egos, but just bring them back in check and, and make sure everyone's actually fighting for the same thing and not just fighting for uh, to get their face in the front of OK Magazine. Craig, any uh, follow-up? I think, I think, yeah, I think, I think, you know, uh, I mean, John, you mentioned it doesn't really hold true with the clubs because of the the lack of those players who are actually playing for the Scottish clubs. But yeah, but then you mentioned right in a row, Finn Russell and Stuart Hogg, both, really off seasons this year, especially after that. Yeah, yeah. And we, I know both of you have speculated that Finn is probably still nursing an injury that he probably should have been taking time off before now. And like, I don't know, maybe both those, both those guys need a little beach time in Dubai. But then you look at, you look at internationally, um, you look at Hogg and Finn, Xander, they've had a poor international period. Um, but for example, Chris Harris, had a poor international, uh, Hogg and Chris Harris had poor international um, um, uh, outings, but they're playing very, very well for their for their team. Um, you know, Hogg is doing Hogg things because he's had the captaincy re- removed off the off his shoulders. He doesn't have to think about all these other things. So yep. he's getting the time. He's he's getting the time to rest a little bit. Um, and and Exeter as a team has such a. A large playing pool that they can they can bring people in if need be, etc. Whereas we don't, as such, have have you know okay with mice to fill in. Some of the young guys have come in for Edinburgh and filled in for the missing Jamie Ritchie and the missing um, uh, Hamish Watson when Hamish was injured as well. But it, you know we don't have such a big playing pool. But also I think I think ego just as as John says that. Xander's quite a young prop, still quite a young prop, and I think he's going to. There's a lot of pressure put on his shoulders as you're a lion, you're the Scottish starting tight head. You're, you know, there's a huge amount of pressure put on him, and I think I think that needs to be relieved somehow. Okay, you'll you'll believe you'll believe he's hype a little bit, but also he's got a huge amount of pressure on his shoulders, and he's kind of almost gone back to type of long-legged in the in the scrum, giving away penalties, giving away stupid penalties, which he did when he was when he was very very young. I think I think Xander Ferguson will eventually become a highly capped Scotland player for and have a long career with Scotland, and we will look back on him when he retires as one of the best props in Scotland. I think he needs. He needs managed like the the Irish system allows mm. and the Welsh system allows. Yeah, yeah. He needs managed correctly, um, and the pressure needs to be taken off him a little bit. You know, it's and funny, that, and, and it, that corresponds to other players as well. 
I hope this isn't too far into the cliche pool, but because, you know, they always say the way you get better is by playing the best competition, steel sharpens steel. You always want to be tested at the highest level so that you can see what that's like and then raise your own game. I'm getting the impression the lines are the opposite. It feels like that's a type of steel that just dulls everything it touches. <laughs> it's just, it's just that, that is absolutely that running of, you know, it's running of, seasons together and it doesn't matter how long you give the boys off at the other side of it they're still you know it's almost like you, you know you couldn't you couldn't play two consecutive games of rugby in a single day uh, having take taking an hour between them yeah you, could, you just couldn't do it effectively it just wouldn't work and the same is true of like the guys are literally running full seasons together like you know Yes, COVID's had an impact, but actually that has had a negative impact for a lot of people in that it's condensed seasons. So, you know, yeah, the guys yeah. in the English Premiership have run 12, 13, 14 games, then went out with the Lions, came straight back in, straight back into their season, straight back into internationals, run into the six nations. They've not, these guys have barely, like Finn Russell in his interview uh, in one of the papers in the UK, um, said i think he's had what three games off in like wow. what feels like two two years yeah well in, in so, france they, in they, don't, give, they don't give you abs- cur- they don't give you courtesy days off in the top 14 no yeah. uh, <laughs> and and i think he was uh, you know uh, it was it was almost you could see he was almost he was saying you know he's aware that that's his decision he's aware yeah, he yeah. could play in scotland and be managed but He's also aware that you know that's that's what he gets paid for. Yeah, yeah, that, paid to that means no Maserati. Yeah, 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 well, yeah. exactly. Yes, but the thing is also also you know if you're going back to the Lions situation, the Lions the Lions is 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 they utilize the hype from the non-professional era. Oh, if you think of the non-professional era of Lions, Lions were you know. And and my old friend uh, Dave Rolo's days, they got on a boat. They sailed. For few, yeah, they sailed three months for later. Months. Are we here? Um, so they they bonded as a team. They drank and fought and 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 did all things that rugby players did at that time. Nowadays, the the you know nowadays if well if you look at the amount of caps, international caps that Lions players of that era up until the up you know of the amateur era. Got for their inter, you know, international caps they re- they they received, and then you go into the professional era and you look at how many, ca- you know, it's very very easy. Easy is the wrong word, sorry, but <laughs> professional professional international players amass caps quicker because they are playing more and more international tests, right, They're right, more and more international uh, uh, club games because the pressure is on money. That's um, a great take. So also, to, to be fair, this was my first experience with the Lions because, like, I, I think when I sort of started becoming a fan was right at the as the the twenty fifteen Lions tour had wrapped up, so I didn't watch any of that. So this was, and obviously this was an exception to the rule. This there were so many, you know, the, the bubble thing and just the fear and uncertainty of being in South Africa at the time, like. That must this must be the most atypical Lions tour in the professional era that there's been. Is that right? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's a very, absolutely. very strange one. I think your point about people accumulating test caps and 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 club caps quicker, Craig, is that is absolutely valid. And I think it's something we don't necessarily 
talk about as much, like the intensity of the club game. You know, obviously, previous Leinsters, you know, you look at look at the list, even from, you know, like 97 and stuff like that, you've still got some of the names on there and it's what club team they're representing. And it's amateur club teams. It's amateur. You know, they're playing at an amateur level, whereas club games now, you know, you're playing 15, 15 international matches a season. Yeah on top of the, the 10 internationals you're actually playing uh, because the club game is just so intense. Um, yeah, yeah. And look at, like, Xander Fagerson's a great example, right? Age 26 in, and I'm going to give Craigie's, Craigie's due here. Ooh. Age 26 in the most attritional position uh, on, on, on the pitch, right? The guy's played almost 150 professional matches already. Wow. Age 26. Oh my gosh! And that's with that's with half a season out with a broken leg as well. Mm. Yeah, it so, feels like you used to hit that number when you were thirty-two. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we, we yeah, he's got he's got over a hundred caps for Glasgow. He's played one hundred and two games for Glasgow. He's got forty-one he's, he's, caps for Scotland. I was going to say he's got a wow. he's almost he's almost getting to fifty with Scotland. You know, it's... and that's not even counting the games he played for the Lions as well, like the couple mm. couple of games he played which were non non cap mm. uh, tests. You know, he's. He's played 150 professional matches, age 26. Props can go on to 36. Well, what what age is WP? He's what 37 now? 36, yeah, 37. Yeah, yeah. So a prop prop generally you'll go to your kind of mid 30s as a prop. The guy's got another 10 years ahead of him. Wow. Which is which is more than he's you know he made his debut age 18. So he's wow. got another 10 years. Yeah, so ahead we're of him. we're looking at 320 appearances. <laughs> he's, yeah, 300, he's 320, maybe maybe even 350 professional appearances wow. in rugby in an attritional position. It is terrifying to think what these guys are doing to their bodies. Wow. So I want to I want to wrap up and let you guys go. It's naturally I was expecting to talk for an hour and it's been two. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> one of my favorite things about it though, and uh, one of my favorite things about this pod too, you just all you have to do is find people who want to talk rugby, and boom, you get to talk <laughs> lots of rugby. It's pretty great. When um, you bring when you when you bring two blatherers like us on the pod as well, it just uh, it just yeah. happens as well. Yeah, I'm a master yep. schemer that way. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, and I'm, I'm off my script here, but the, from what I've been hearing over this last chunk of time, it sounds like, it, I, I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but um, in John's situation, you have a team who are floundering a bit um, from what we've talked about before and what I hear you talked about on your own podcast, of course, um, it sounds like, at least for you, and I tend to agree, a lot of that blame is with the coaching it feels like not only is the coaching not great, it feels like the players have stopped listening a little bit. It feels like they've kind of checked yeah. out. Um, but uh, also from what I hear you say, it sounds like that's not going to change in the off season. So um, they're going to have to find another way. And on the flip side, it's almost, ex- it feels like the exact opposite with Craig, where it's like, well, we underperformed in these different areas, but the, you know, as you described it, the green roots of this new thing, and you have a new yeah. coach and a new system, that's only, it's got to be better next year, right? As these roots take root, <laughs> whatever. And yeah. uh, it, it sounds like you're describing two different trajectories. Um, a, a, am I right in that? And uh, is that how you see things going next year? 
yes, I think I think that's a very apt description. For, certainly from my perspective, I wouldn't uh, ever dare to to speak of uh, to speak of the the East Coasters' uh, motivations, but uh, for 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 the for they will put effigies of me outside of outside of the damn health and burn burn it. They've done well to actually remove them in time for me coming over, but uh, no, it was it was uh, yeah. I think that's I think it's fair. I think. Glasgow again will continue to flatter to deceive. I think you'll probably see things are going to come to a head quite soon with Glasgow. Uh, particularly, you know, there's a lot of grumblings out. You've mentioned it a couple of times already tonight. Other season tickets. Uh, there was a very poorly worded um, note put out from from Al Kellick saying that. Uh, the, the the revamp of season tickets designed to make uh, Glasgow rugby affordable uh, for a new generation of fans, whilst removing student tickets and removing the bronze tickets almost completely, um, and also putting the price of the tickets up sixteen percent. Yeah, even I but saw cheaper. even I saw you know, <laughs> heat about that on Twitter. People just outraged by this. Oh, so you're giving me this season, and then you ask me to pay more to come back next year? Interesting. Pay pay more for less as well because we've got one less home game next season. Oh, uh, plus we've got the Diddy Cup, so we're we're not in the Champions Cup. So, um, so yeah. Uh, uh, but they've included a preseason friendly. <laughs> but get this, yes. But they've only included a preseason friendly for the gold and platinum season tickets because they are the only stands that will actually be standing at that point because of the athletic season at Scotsdale. So if you are silver or bronze, you will get a slight discount on your season ticket uh, of twenty pounds to 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 mitigate for the fact that there is your no preseason friendly in your your season ticket. Uh, but if you wow. manage to get a bronze season ticket, you're doing well because it's tiny little slithers. In the corners of the stand, uh, not even not even sections. It is just in the midst of everything that's going on in the world. It is about as tone deaf. I, I, the yeah. SRU have they have a skill at being tone deaf, but they have really, really misread the room this time. And the uh, the forums that com- I am on, they completely humped it. They've, 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 the put, the pooch has been screwed, as they say, and uh, <laughs> yes, um, they've they've misread the room terribly, and a lot of people are saying they're not renewing their t- their ticket this time out, um, because actually people have worked out that the benefit of getting a season ticket is twofold: you're guaranteed a ticket, and you get a slight discount on match day prices. Yep. But if you missed if you missed two games in the season, and the, then you just simply buy match tickets for it. You're you're there or thereabouts, so it's, it works out. You get two games free fundamentally. People are realising that actually match day tickets aren't going to be a problem this season because Scotland hasn't sold out this season. Ah. The quality of rugby is not going to sell out Scotland. So why why would you buy a season ticket? Where's the motivation? Ooh. Yeah, bad times at Glasgow. It is lots, it, of, it, it, lots of anger ahead. It, yeah, it sounds darker than I thought. And of course, it makes me think. Well, once they realize the anger and the backlash, they'll maybe say, "Okay, we'll bring those prices down." But then you have people who have already paid the new price who are going to say, "What the hell's up with that?" Yeah, they'll not be able. They'll not be able to adjust anything this season. And the counter. So the the obvious argument is, but what about Edinburgh's prices? 
you know, um, so Glasgow's prices are probably aligned to quite a few teams in the in the URC. Edinburgh's are significantly cheaper again, but they're closing the gap because obviously now that Edinburgh have got their, their fully functional stadium and there is more demand for tickets, then Edinburgh prices will come to a level. But I, I just think it's I think it's incredibly tone deaf, and yeah. they're trying they're trying to pay back the the COVID game that was missed because uh, I know a lot of fans didn't didn't leave money with the club. Uh, a lot of fans just demanded a refund because they were so scunnered with the situation. So, mm. uh, it's, yeah, it's very, very tough times. Meanwhile, Craig is desperately trying not to smirk here <laughs> with, the, with, the, with the green grass starting to pop up even as we speak, the sunlight of the darkness. <laughs> I, 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 um, I feel a lot of anguish for the, for the season ticket holders of Glasgow. Because as far as I'm concerned, I feel that the that that just as John says, and you've talked about Glasgow and the SRU have been tone deaf to what's going on, especially when they're now talking about that. You know, there was a there was an article put out that that, that Danny Wilson had started to talk about. He's got another year in his contract, and he fully expects to be running that full year of his contract, um, and then see what happens at the end of it. Oh, geez. Um, so. You know, on the field, it's going to have to be at a point where the players are going to have to they're going to have to play their way out of this. I also feel that what the the season ticket holders in Glasgow get for their money is is significantly, um, it's 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 a difficult. I would certainly not renew at the prices that they that they are paying. I had to currently because of the econ- current economic factors. I almost didn't renew my Edinburgh season ticket mm. because of two well two things. You know, it's it's a lot of money to um, to 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 pay out um, in this economic climate, and also uh, my son has gone from um, being a child to a, to an adult, and, and, and ah, so, so I'm a hundred percent more. The price point has gone ah. up quite significantly. So I've gone from, from I've gone from. Um, uh, £350 for two season tickets to £600 for two season tickets so it's it, it's 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 a it's a big difference what where where we and uh, where we are different is that Glasgow have have almost gone through what we've gone through they've started a professional team they've built slowly they've got themselves through to finals they've won the pro 14 They've they so their fans are at the at a high level of expectation, whereas with Edinburgh we have been in the doldrums for many many years, and so we we are seeing we are now becoming you know we're in the European Cup next year we're seeing all these green shoots coming through we've got this fantastic new coach we've got these players that are responding to him so we are almost turning around and saying where do we pay, and mm. we're almost giving our money across and I certainly. You know, um, especially this this year that's coming with the financial pressures that we're all going to be under, I wouldn't be able to go and um, and pay twenty five, thirty, forty pounds out of my pocket on a on a Friday after, a Friday Friday evening or a Saturday afternoon to go and watch Edinburgh. I, if I front load and pay my season ticket, then at least in those tight months. <clears throat> I can go and get my rugby, and I'm not having to yeah. pull money. Out That's exactly so, why I renewed yesterday. So it's yeah, out of the yeah. way. So, Next year, all set, free. 
exactly. And also we get a free gift from Edinburgh, um, um, which is fabulous. It'll be probably a voodoo doll of Flinty for uh, for, um, <laughs> for Cammy, but no, we we laugh about it because I think last year it was a tote bag and a key ring. But, uh, you know... It, it, Here, thank you, sir. Here's your USB flash drive. Yeah, here's your... Yeah, <laughs> nobody ever uses ever again. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I think... Would I you think like a mouse pad, um, sir? <laughs> I really like a mouse pad, actually. Here's... <laughs> Here's a here's a DVD of the the greatest Edinburgh hits of the uh, no okay, um, but so yeah I think it's uh, we we're slightly different we're we're seeing these Edinburgh's getting to this level now where we're we're going to start demanding more on the pitch, um, but we're happy to pay our money at the moment because the damn health is such a has become because we've been you know I've been a season ticket holder when we're at Myerside in this in a in, a, in December. When the the rain's hitting you in the side of the head, and the and you're watching a team just fold under pressure. Oh my God, it sounds like Glasgow. Um, and uh, it's just uh, <laughs> I've I've been there, and now we've got our now we've got Open our stadium. Wood, insert salt. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, I didn't mean it. It's a cheap man shot, on four toe and nuts, mate. That so, so yeah, to, to, to stop blethering on, we are a, we are a, 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 we are at a point where we're enjoying our rugby, so we're going to pay the money at the moment. But I guess, you know, uh, you know, if it, if it gets to about four hundred and fifty quid a, a season ticket, you know, that's a lot of money to find. You know. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so uh, I'll let you go. Last thing, I, it's probably the most obvious question you'll ever get: um, Who is winning the URC this year? Uh. <laughs> Well, do you know what? So anyway, thanks uh, a lot my, for it. Yeah, yeah <laughs> in, in, in my heart, what's going to happen is Glasgow are going to beat Leinster. Yep. Uh, and it's going to come down to an all-Scottish final. And then yep. Glasgow are going to win it, which would actually pump Edinburgh out of the Champions Cup and put Glasgow in the Champions Cup. Ooh. And that will give us all a good laugh. Uh, so that's what's going to actually happen. And if that happens, I mean, I'll go on every podcast ever uh just you know call me up i will be there with like flags um obviously that's not going to happen that's a ridiculous thing uh leinster are going to smash glasgow and everyone else it would take um a miracle for anyone else to win it but leinster yeah i mean there was a miracle against them this past weekend so well you see i've got i've got i've got my finger on ulster really uh, i think there's a I would like. I think there's a chance for Ulster to win it. Um, I think Ulster. I think what Dan McFarland is doing is is phenomenal. He's 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 his his buy-in from his players. He's built a great team. He's a phenomenal coach. And if he doesn't win it this year, I've got. I think he's got a very good chance of winning it next year. If that happens, John Cooney's back in the Ireland Ireland squad, right? No, he's he's waiting out his three year residency to come play for Scotland now. Hey, I'll take it. Well, it's almost, it's almost like we had an opportunity when uh, Dan McFarland was choosing to leave Scottish rugby. Uh, it's almost like we had, I don't know, there was a job available at the time or just about at the time, you know, where I don't know, he could have maybe stayed in the club game, perhaps as the Glasgow, I just maybe a thought, you know, <laughs> um, uh, typical, yeah, let's just lose one of the up and coming great coaches of, of the generation. Great oh. effort, SRU. So, uh, you know, I often go on about my free jacks and uh, one of our biggest problems this year has been the line out, which has just been unreliable for sure. And uh, just last week, 
I saw an ad posted online for a new assistant coach just to coach lineouts. So if you guys line out coach, yep. yeah, if you guys find yourselves looking for work, <laughs> well, of, well, I mean, part, we, we, part we, we just got those in Scotland. Part of me thinks it's 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 just a super fan who's so fed up with our line out that they just created the fake posting. Like, please hire somebody. Yeah. <laughs> just, just wait till you, you you've got me knocking on your door with a pillow, a rugby ball, <laughs> and, a, and a scrum cap and under my arm. Any room at the inn? <laughs> There's always plenty of room. I was I was very much so when I played in the back row. I was very much a lineouts are not my thing. So I just was, I was the, let's cut the line out and give it to John off first ball and he can go and crash. I was that guy. Never bothered with line outs. Looked very complicated. Just like <laughs> the, only, the only time I remember being in the line out, the ball was overthrown and I was at the back. I was actually standing, I, it was so clear I wasn't a jumper. I was actually standing with my hand on my hip, just kind of like waiting, like, just like, all right, okay. And I was talking to my opposite number. He was like, you're not a jumper. And I was like, nah. He was like, neither am I. And we were just like having a wee chat. Like, it was like, so if you catch it, I'll smash you. Likewise, aye, cool. Then it got overthrown and I had to like scramble for it, knock the ball on, and the opposition scored from it. And my teammates were shouting at me. And I was like, you realize I was no part of what you have just done. You were all the issue here. And yes, I may <laughs> knock it on, but this was your fault. <laughs> I've, I've, I've become upset. <laughs> I've become obsessed with lineouts. So like um, before, you know, seeing games in person, when you just watch on TV, lineouts look like the simplest thing. Like there's no way to screw this up. All you do is throw it. Every, the, you know, one side knows what's going to happen. The other doesn't. It's easy. It should always be easy. Your lineout success rate should be 98%, except for when there's like, you know, you're, you're in Galway and the wind takes it or something like that. But seeing it in person, it's like, oh, there is a lot going on here and there are a lot of little tiny pieces that all have to mesh up to make it work right yeah try coaching it david <laughs> well I, I just told you i'm applying right now yeah <laughs> to go. Uh, so just just to see um as we've been on air so just in the last i'll tell you uh just a Approximately 10 minutes ago, oh, here we go. I have received an update in messaging from Al Kellogg himself, <gasps> um, saying uh, basically giving justification for the price rises. Oh, uh, I they're I call, damage control already. Yeah, I, there's a so you may some of your listeners may be aware there's a famous uh, Scottish comedy, Chewing the Fat. Oh, yes, and the, there's, uh, there's a famous scene in that where. The, one of the characters sort of pulls their nose up and sort of questions the scent that they can smell at that point and suggesting that they can perhaps smell uh, something that comes out your back door. Um, that is maybe what I'm seeing with this, that <laughs> I do smell something not very pleasant. Um, I think this... So your, your obvious reply is, God, no do that. God, no do that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'll go to know. Uh, it'd be interesting <laughs> to try and go big man on that big owl, though, wouldn't it? Ah, uh, yes, owl, def- I'm def- going to grab your arm and I'm going to ram it so far up you. <laughs> Paint a mince for the big man. I, uh, we'll have to, you'll hear you'll hear it forward that to me, John, so I can have a look uh, at it. Oh, mate, I'll give, you, I'll, give you, I'll give you a giggle, aye. I'll give you a giggle. <laughs> it's getting mentioned on the pod anyway, for sure. We'd like to formally <laughs> apologise that you're so upset that we did this. 
<laughs> yeah. Basically, that is it. Um, but the justification is, I quote, we've added a pre-season friendly in, so what you want about? What are you wanting about, Johnny? I'll tell you. <laughs> You've got your fantastic stadium. I don't know what you're talking about. We, we, well, from now on, let us call that the Pablo Matera apology. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry you all found that so offensive anyway can i keep playing now yeah okay as well as, you got, you got, for as a, and retaining our best talent and significant investment in our squad well why would just say dallin dell that's not a significant event. oh i'm having a room party up. now I'm room room. Yeah. I, exactly no even in a position to sign him that's how mm. The Anywho. most beautiful man in rugby. <sighs> Once again, think, the powers think, that be yes, handle everything yes. smoothly and perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you guys. I, Sorry, I mean, David, you are closing up at that point. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we should start over now and just start from here. <laughs> so, John. Glasgow next season. <laughs> okay, I will let you guys go though. Thank you once again for all your time. Of course, as always, it's you know the, always the highlight of my week, my month, whatever it is uh, to chat with both of you guys. Um, it's been an awesome season. Uh, it's been a long one. The URC has gone through. It's been a roller coaster. I'm looking forward to next weekend. I uh, I can't say I'm picking either of your teams. I'm afraid I, I would like to. Nope. Um, <gasps> but you know, very dear you. <laughs> I, I you know. I think it's going to be what it's going to be. And uh, I'll be rooting yeah. against Leinster in that final, though. So, And and you know what? Maybe your players need some good rest as well. Absolutely. That's, that's exactly what they need. Well, you guys have exciting internationals coming up during the summer, some really interesting matchups. Um, is the Chile thing happening? It's Yeah, it's like a an A squad. Is that right? Some play Chile? It's an A squad, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Still, Chile, yeah. if it's on TV, I'll watch it for sure. Um, guys, I will let you go. Thank you so much for all your time. It's always a treat to have you here on the Scrum of the Earth. Um, what's coming up with your pod this week? Anything to plug or you know point us to? Uh, I think we'll just be obviously more uh, more mascot-based conspiracy theories. Ah, oh, there'll be plenty of that. Yes, I think we'll be looking at obviously previews for the games. Um, you know, wishing both both the Scottish teams all the best with that. And I would imagine that perhaps the ticketing issue may get a mention as well. <laughs> it might be yeah, the, no. it might be in the hands in the ruck, but uh you might have to wait for the sweary time, I think. Yeah, yeah. If you, if you, if you, yeah, well, you know, get get your get yourself over to patreon.com Scottish rugby uh, podcast and uh you'll get all the all the sweaties you require um <laughs> from craig obviously because i'm an I, I'm, I am an angel and never swear oh, yes, clearly, of course. So. yeah okay if if anyone could see my face just now it's almost <laughs> as bad as when cami started to wrap the moana wrap anyway that was, that was good that was good <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> that was when he did his uh, 12 days of Christmas but Scottish rugby themed wasn't it oh, okay, <laughs> had, okay. his, had his all singing nope. five, nope. five golden fins the, the least we talk about the better <laughs> the, top, the kind of top quality content you get on patreon.com slash Scottish rugby blog uh, Scottish rugby podcast head over there <laughs> <laughs> well guys thank you again I hope you're the rest of your day is smashing as always. Good luck next weekend, and I hope to talk to you very soon. Thanks, David. It's Cheers. been a pleasure Cheers. as usual.
Only no day that. Oh, just only no.